Well, hey, what's up, Pathways? How you guys doing? Good, good. There we go. Hey, happy Father's Day to all you dads in the room or here, on, here in the room or online. We are so grateful for you and all of the things that you do uh, that make this world a better place to be in. So thank you. Can we give it up for our dads? Yeah, give it up for them. They're awesome. I also want to take a moment and I want to thank my dad, Scott, and uh, my father-in-law, Peter, if they're watching online. I love you guys. Thank you for all the things that you've done to make me into the man that I am today. And thank you for continuing to build into my family and our legacy. You know, we're in a series today all about facts. And we're, we're looking at facts when it comes to God's character. So I thought it would be fitting for us to start off with some facts when it comes to fathers and their importance in our lives. Now, 85% of youth in prison have an absent father. 71% of high school dropouts are fatherless, and 75% of adolescent patients in chemical abuse centers come from fatherless homes. It's a stark reminder of the importance of fathers that care. There's also a stat from Barna that I, I, I want to make sure that we talk about. It's this stat right here that's, that of all of our church people that if both parents attend service on a regular basis, 72% of their kids will end up going to service as an adult, 72%. When only the mother shows up, that number drops to 15%, 15%. Now, these are some harsh realities, but here's what I also know. I know, also know that when it comes to fathers, 100% of dads feel this weird need to mow their lawn. Uh, <laughs> when it comes to dads, we, we, we know that dads do a ton and their importance is extremely uh, evident in the lives of their kids. It, it's one of the reasons that one of the names that God gives for himself is our heavenly father. See, there's this giant burden where God says, I am your heavenly father. Now, you're supposed to be a representation of me on earth as a father. Now, obviously, this is a gigantic task, and uh, the question that comes for me is, how do I live up to that expectation? How do I live up to the expectation of being a father and sharing that title with my father in heaven? Now, this is a similar challenge to what was laid out to the Israelites in the book of Deuteronomy. If uh, you're not sure what's going on in the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy is the, the book right before they crossed the Jordan. Remember last week, Pastor Nathan talked about how they crossed the Jordan River? This is the years and months leading up to that moment. Uh, think of it this way, right? Uh, we're, we're about to, you know, in the next couple weeks here, we're going to be taking a bunch of students to camp and doing some rock climbing. And uh, on top of that, my family and I are going to spend some time in Colorado in two weeks. So I've got mountains on the brain, all right? Uh, so think of it this way, right? The challenge the Israelites are facing is like a mountain. At the top of this mountain is this goal of being the holy people that are set apart for God, the dream that God gave to Abraham. That's what's waiting on top of the mountain in the promised land. But where the Israelites are is the bottom of the mountain. They've been wandering the desert for 40 years. They're former slaves. They've got zero uh, idea of who they are as a people. Their identity is gone. And on top of that, they're extremely disobedient. So the question becomes, how do we get from the bottom of the mountain to the top of the mountain? How do we prepare a people to walk into the promised land and be this holy nation that's set apart for God? How, how do we do this? Well, God sees this problem, and he steps in big time. So the first thing he does is he gives them the Ten Commandments. He gives them, gives them the laws that they're supposed to follow. 
But then there's this really cool passage of scripture that I want to bring you through today where Joshua brings together the men of Israel, the fathers of Israel, and he begins to charge them and give them the pieces of the picture that they need to have in order to achieve this task, in order to achieve that, that task of being that holy nation set apart. It says this in Deuteronomy 6, 1 and 2, these are the commands, decrees, and laws the Lord your God directed me to teach you to observe in the land that you're crossing the Jordan to possess. Now catch this. So that you, your children, and their children after them may fear the Lord your God as long as you live by keeping all his decrees and commands that I give you so that you may joy, enjoy a long life. You see, the first statement that's laid out here by Joshua to the fathers of Israel is kind of this end goal that they have, that they will be a nation that's set apart. But I want you to focus on these words right here. You, your children, your children's children. You see, what Joshua is, is telling these fathers is that the heart of a father, uh, especially a father that's set after God is to be forward thinking and planning by doing things right now, even though they're hard, to prepare for the future well. Uh, another word for this would be this word right here we use in the English language. It's this word legacy. What Joshua is laying out for these fathers directly from God is that this legacy that they're trying to create. It's this legacy of following God for generations. Now, what does legacy mean? Well, here's what legacy means to me. Legacy is where I want my kids, Liam and Levi and uh, Bo, who we're expecting uh, shortly here in December, what I want them to start, where their, their starting point is because of the work that me and my wife are doing. That's legacy. But the other part of legacy is this. It's what I want my kids to say when I'm gone. That moment that all of our families gather around and I'm in a casket right here and my kids get up to talk about me and what I cared about and what mattered to me. That is my legacy that I am trying to build. See, it leads me to this fact, and if you get nothing else from today, I want you to understand this. It's God's design for the Father, that God designed earthly fathers, us, to reflect generations of our families back to our Heavenly Father. That is the role and purpose of being a dad, is that you take your life and influence generations of your family back to your heavenly father. Now, I wanna make a disclaimer off the top. It's Father's Day, so we're gonna be talking about fathers, but the principles that I'm gonna teach you today apply to every single person in this room, and here's why. Because every single one of you, whether you're married, whether you have kids, whether you're past the, the age of, you know, all your kids are grown up, whether you're single, you all have a legacy that you are building. You're building a legacy, whether you have kids or not. So these principles still apply to you, but here's the other reason that I want to make sure we talk about fathers today, because there's this thing that I believe, that communities get better when fathers step up. Communities get better when fathers step up. Churches get better when fathers step up. And families get better when fathers step up and take the role that God has given them. So how do we do this, right? How do we build generational legacy? Well, the writer of Deuteronomy, he, he lays out in, passage, in this passage, verses five through nine, how we do this. It says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. 
These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. See, this, this writer of Deuteronomy lays out for all of these fathers what we are to do if we want to build this generational legacy, if we want to reach the top of that mountain that we're trying to climb. And I believe that he lays out three characteristics of a legacy-building father. The first is this, it's integrity. Now, in, in Liebelt household, we eat a lot of cereal. Anybody else, a lot of cereal, cereal people, right? We eat a ton of cereal, but there's one cereal that I refuse to buy my kids. Any guesses? Anybody? Lucky Charms. Lucky charms. And here's why. My kids, much like their father, will meticulously pick out all of the marshmallows with surgical precision and leave the nutritious part in the bowl and be like, I'm done. Did it. Ate it. And no matter how many times they tell them they have to eat the other pieces, they won't. So we've made a, just kind of a rule that we're not going to give our kids lucky charms. We've told them, you know what, they're bad for you guys. We want you to grow. You want to grow big and strong, you can't have the Lucky Charms, right? But here's the problem. I love Lucky Charms. <laughs> I love me some Lucky Charms, okay? I don't know if it's the little marshmallows or what it is, nostalgia maybe, but I love Lucky Charms. And so it's led to this problem, this conflict in our household, because I've had to figure out how to buy and consume Lucky Charms <laughs> without my kids knowing and so I've worked out a process on how we do this. See, uh, first, we, while we're grocery shopping, I push them past where the Lucky Charms are. That's key, because then they're, they're looking the other direction. So I go all the way past, right? And then I distract them. Kids are very easily distractible, so it's perfect. And then I grab the Lucky Charms and shove it under the cart. Okay, that's under the cart. They can't see it, right? So I, I shove it under the cart, and then we go, right? Then we buy it, and again, I'm distracting my kids. And then we get home, and I go, hey, why don't you go and say hi to your mom while I bring the groceries in? And it goes right in the back of the pantry behind the oatmeal because they'll never look there, right? And so I shove it right back there. It's good to go. And then comes the hardest part because I have to find a way to eat it around toddlers. And I don't know if you guys know anything about toddlers, but you open anything and they're like, it's a magnet. It's like, Shh. what you got, dad? What you eating? Get some, can I have some snacks? Snack, oh, you got snacks? That's my kids, right? So I've had to figure it out, and I've got this system. What I do is I take my bowl, and I go into the, into the cupboard. So like my, picture my head and my body in the cupboard, and I pour it in the cupboard, and then I eat it up here because they can't see that. I'm short, but they're shorter. They can't see that. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's the problem. Uh, the other day, while I was in the cabinet pouring my Lucky Charms, my son Liam turns the corner, and the look of betrayal on his face. <laughs> he was feeling every bit of betrayed. He's like, wait a second, Dad. You told me those are bad for you. You told me if I, if I eat those, I'm not going to be big and strong, right? And, and, and so for my kid, there's this moment where he's like, wait a second. You're saying one thing, and you're doing something that's the complete opposite of what you said, right? You're living in this place where you're like, you know what? Do what I say, not what I do. It's the reason that the, the writer of Deuteronomy starts off this, this list of instructions for us as fathers by saying this, love the Lord your God with all your, all your heart, all your 
and all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. See, the writer of Deuteronomy lays it out this way. He says, look, if you want your kids to follow Jesus, guess who has to follow Jesus? You. You have to step up. You have to follow Jesus. Your actions need to match the words that are coming out of your mouth. It's the start of this moment where there's this declaration that a legacy-building father is a father who loves God with everything he has, his actions line up with it, and then his words line up. It's all three. It's this integrity of heart. And, and, and here's the, the reason why. Because our kids and our spouses are watching. They're watching to see if the words we say line up with what we're actually doing. And so many times as fathers, we, we struggle with this. Our mouths say one thing, but our actions say something completely different. Right? We we tell our kids, hey, you need to forgive each other. I know one of you just punched the other one, but you got to forgive each other, okay? You need to forgive each other. But in the meantime, we have a lot of resentment that we're allowing to just sit in our lives and pester us. Or, or maybe it looks like this. We tell our kids, hey, make sure you're reading your Bible. You've been reading your Bible? You've been reading your Bible lately? But if you were to go find our Bibles, they're sitting on the, you know, on the, on the cabinet full of dust. Or maybe it looks like this. This is probably the hardest one to hear. That we tell our spouses, we tell our kids that they matter to us, that they're important. But if you look at our actions, our intentions, and our time, they tell a very different story. To the outside, we're doing something much different than what we're actually saying. See, so the first piece of becoming a legacy-building father is that we need to be a father that's full of integrity, that the words we say are the actions that we do, that we live by the same standard that we expect our kids to live by, our spouse to live by. Here's what I've learned. In the time that I've spent sitting with families as they work through some really hard stuff, I've learned that you will never reflect Jesus as a father if you don't know him first. Dads, you will never reflect Jesus if you don't know him intimately first. We need to have integrity in our actions and our words that line us up with the heart of God. Here's the truth that I, I want you to see is that the fastest way for you to destroy your legacy is to be hypocritical. You talk to any kid that has walked through and left the church, most of them will say, it's because everyone there is a hypocrite. Because they would say one thing and they would do something completely different. If we want to be legacy-building fathers, we need to be fathers who are in... We've we, we got to be these fathers that have integrity. The second piece of this is that if we want to be legacy-building fathers, we need to be influential. We need to be influential. See, what the writer of Deuteronomy says is once you fix your heart, once you get your priorities straight and you're doing what you say you're, you're doing, now you need to look... And, and see the second characteristic, which is having some influence in your kids' lives. It says this, Deuteronomy 6, 7. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Now, obviously, they're talking about the commands that we're called to follow. They're talking about what it looks like to live for Jesus, right? That's what they're, they're talking about here. See, there's, there's two things. The first thing it does is it lays out the end goal, and that end goal is this, that your kids respect your beliefs. They respect the God that you serve. Impress them on your children. 
that through your actions, your kids grow to respect and believe what you believe and to believe in the God that has radically altered your life. But then the second piece of this is that it lays out the way that we do it. How many of you guys saw the, the speed trap out here as you came in? Everybody, right? Who actually, who, who got the, the red, and, red and blue lights flashed at them when they were by, right? Yeah, it's, it's very pretty. It's fun, right? I don't know how I feel about that. Um, I'm not sure if that's an insult or a compliment. Either we're the church that is so excited to get to church that we can't watch our speedometer, or, or we are the church that's so late that we need the speed to get here. <laughs> it's it's one, of, one of those two things, right? Um, now, pretty much every time I drive past that, it goes off on me because I have a tendency to speed. Now, one of the things it does is it makes me slow down because I don't want to get a ticket, right? Anybody there? Like you see a cop in the middle of the road and you're like, oh, got to hit the brakes. Let me slow way, way down, right? Now, this is a good example of respect coming from a place of authority. So you respect the laws because you're afraid of getting a ticket, right? You're afraid of uh, the authorities pulling you over and giving you a ticket. But now, because oftentimes I speed I get these little reminders from my wife in the most gentle way. We'll be driving. I'll definitely be speeding. Some of you, some of you fathers are laughing right now already. Um, I'll, be, I'll be speeding, and my wife will just kind of turn to me and go, hey, why don't you slow down? We'll get there when we get there. Think about the kids. Just slow down, right? What's interesting is the result is the same. I hit my brakes. I slow down, reset my cruise, right? Now, my wife has no authority to give me a speeding ticket, thank goodness. Um, she can't pull me over and go, the reason I pulled you over today is because, right? She can't do that, doesn't have the authority. So why do I listen to what she says? Well, she has influence in my life. While she might not have that authority, she has the influence. I, I truly care about her and her opinion of me and the role that she plays in my life. So I want you to see this. Both of these end with respect to the law. Authority and influence. Both end with this, end with this respect. Now, the same is true of fathers. Fathers, you have authority. God gave you the authority over your kids, but you also have the influence you're creating. Here is why that is so important. It's because of the fact that eventually your authority is going to run out. You might be a father with authority right now, but someday your kid's gonna be 16, 17, 18, and that authority you once had is gone. And what you're left with is your influence. Now, see, I, I've, I think there's a lot of us dads who are really good at authority. We're really good at that piece, right? I'm your dad. You will listen to me. You will do exactly what I said, right? Some of you guys are just having a flashback right now thinking about your childhood, right? We're really good at that piece. But I think a lot of times when it comes to having influence in our kids' lives, that's where we struggle. And then our kids turn 18, 19, 20, and we have zero say in their life because we didn't build the influence while we had the chance. See, if we want to have any hope of having conversations with our kids at 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, we need to have influence, because that's all that's going to be left over. So how do we do this? How do we build influence? Well, this is the way that the writer Deuteronomy says that we build influence. We talk about them, our beliefs, the God that we follow, when we sit at home and when we walk along the road, when we lie down and when we get up. See, what the writer Deuteronomy lays out is that influence is created by doing life with and knowing your family intimately. 
It's created by this ability to do life with and know your family in the most intimate setting. This is something that God demonstrates for us as our heavenly father. It's one of the things that separates our heavenly father from our earthly fathers is he, he has this, yes, he has all the power and all the authority in the world, but part of the reason he's so influential is the way that he knows me. See, I don't follow Jesus because I'm afraid of him. I don't follow Jesus because of his authority or his power. Yes, he has both of those. I follow him because of how intimately he knows me as well. I want you to take a moment and realize how intimately God knows you as your heavenly father. It says this in Psalm 139, 13 through 16. It says, for you, talking about God, created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, and I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. That is how intimately your heavenly Father knows you. Could you imagine the impact you could have in your kids' lives, fathers, if you knew your kids like that? Can you imagine the impact that you could have, the influence you create by just doing that? Now, how do we do this practically, right? It's one thing to say that. It's another thing to do it practically. A couple things. Father's first thing is this. Take a genuine interest in what your family is interested in, even if you don't like it, even if it's boring, and even if it's hard. Uh, for my kids, my kids are really into fishing right now. Uh, which sounds really idealistic. We were up at the lake uh, this past weekend, and I was actually spending some time with my son Liam. We both had our feet in the water. We were casting a rod and reel, and it was, it was just great. It was an amazing time. But for all the idealistic moments, there's a lot of work that comes behind that, okay? You're taking two toddlers fishing who don't know how to put a worm on a hook, don't know how to take off a fish, and somehow tangle their lines every single cast, Okay? It's one of those things where you're like, okay, you're good, you're fine. I'm gonna reach for my pole now, okay? Oh, you caught a fish. Let me help you, right? <laughs> In fact, this is, this is how hard it can be at times. Uh, the first time I took my son Levi fishing, no joke, he threw my tackle box off the bridge. <laughs> I, I'm not even kidding. Like, he, we're on the trestle trail bridge and he pushed it underneath the grate and went down. Having influence in your life, in your kid's life, is not an easy thing to do, but it's worth it. Why? Because when I show interest in the kids, the things my kids are interested in, they see that as my interest in them. I will never, I'll never get back the moments that I get to spend sitting with him at the dock and fishing with him. If you want to have influence in your kids' lives, care about what they're genuinely interested in. Fathers, this also applies to your wife. I saw a staggering stat this week that said that approximately a third of divorces happen the year after the kids leave the house. Don't get so caught up in your kids that you miss the opportunity to pursue your wife. Your wife needs to be a priority in your life. You want to create influence. Take some time genuinely get interested in what your kids are interested in. The second thing is this right here. Take note of something new every day about who they are and speak it over them. Uh, I love the way that Pastor Nathan says it. He says it this way. If you see it in them, speak it over them. 
Could you imagine the influence you could create in your kid's life if every single day, at the end of the day, after a long day, right before you put your kids to bed, if you got down on their level and said, you know what, buddy, I'm so proud of you. I love the way you smile and you dance. I love the way that you love on your brother. I'm so grateful for you and thank you for making me a dad. Could you imagine the influence you could create in your kids if they knew you cared about them like that? If you picked up these new little things that they do and spoke it over them. And the same applies to the rest of our families. It applies to our spouses as well. We want to create genuine influence. This is how we do it. We see it in them. We speak it over them. The third characteristic of a legacy-building father is this. A legacy-building father is a father who's improving. Here's what I love about this story. There's this incredible story where they're giving this charge to the fathers, and the call that is given to them, it doesn't give a deadline, a start time, a goal, an end zone. It lays out an attitude for these fathers. And what that attitude looks like is this. Do better today than you did yesterday. Do better tomorrow than you did today. And I don't know about you as a father, but I relate to that. You know, this past week, I was having a really rough day. I was super stressed, and I, I came home. My, my boys were crazy, of course, and uh, I snapped at my son Liam and yelled at him and felt horrible about it afterwards, and I went to put him to bed. And it sounds really cute because I put him to bed, and I was, I was sitting with him, uh, but really, I was just waiting in the room to make sure he fell asleep so he didn't leave the bedroom like eight times. Uh, but I was sitting with him, and I actually began to cry over my son because I knew I wasn't the dad I needed to be. I knew that in that moment, I wasn't the dad that my boys needed. I remember leaving the room and I went over and talked with my wife and as I was talking to her, her response was so, was so gracious. She said, tomorrow's a new day. Be better tomorrow. If you're a tired dad here, I see you. I see the effort that you're putting in. Dad's the, the expectation isn't Perfection. It's not that you be perfect and have life figured out. It's just being better tomorrow than you were today. It's those small changes. And guess what? Days turn into weeks, turn into months, turn into years. And someday, when you're long gone and your kids are standing there talking about their dad, it's those moments between day one to day two that they'll be talking about. Here's what I've learned. The entire heart of legacy hinges on one characteristic and three phrases. They look like this. I'm sorry, I'm wrong, I'm working on it. This right here is the heart of the father. Earlier I said that the fastest way to destroy a legacy is to be hypocritical. The fastest way to fix a legacy is through your humility. You want to rebuild your legacy? Maybe it's not what you were hoping it would be. The fastest way is by going, boys, I'm sorry. The fastest way is by getting in front of your spouse and saying, I'm so sorry that I wasn't the, 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 the husband that I needed to be. I'm sorry I wasn't the father I needed to be. This is what it looks like to build a legacy. It's through our brokenness that it gets built, not through our perfection or the best efforts we have. The heart of a father is to make life better for his kids. 
You see, much like the, the Israelites are facing a mountain, fathers, you are facing a mountain. That mountain, at the top of it, is the hope that generations of your family follow Jesus. That is the top of that mountain. And I don't know where you are in the mountain. Here's, here's the reality. We all start at a different place in the mountain. You might have had an incredible father. And your father poured into you. And because of that, you're in an amazing place. Continue that legacy. Continue to build. Be diligent. Don't get lazy. But I also know that in a room this size, and with you guys online, that there's some of you that your father was not a good father to you. Your father didn't build a legacy and you're sitting at the bottom of that mountain and as you look at those other people, you're going, why didn't my dad do that for me? Why didn't my dad care? Why didn't my dad step up and, and do what dads are supposed to be? Here's the beautiful thing. Regardless of where you are, regardless of what you've done as a father, I don't care if you're at almost to the top of that summit or you're at the bottom. Your legacy can be rebuilt in an instant. Yes, there's a lot of work. Don't get me wrong, there's a lot of work in rebuilding a legacy, in starting a legacy. But it's through God's grace that we can rebuild. That we can take the sins of our father and say, you know what, we're not gonna do that anymore. But it starts when we as dads begin to climb and climb with this purpose of, I'm gonna climb past this so my kids don't have to deal with this anymore. This abuse that has been going on in our family, it's done, I'm done with it. We're climbing past that so that you guys don't have to deal with this someday. The alcoholism that's been rampant in our family, it stops here. I am going to climb past that. The insecurity, the addiction, whatever it might be, it stops here. I'm gonna climb past that so my kids, when they turn 16, 17, 18, and they begin to carry the legacy that I started, they don't have to deal with that. But it all starts when we begin to climb. When we begin, fathers, to put our families on our backs, to put our spouse on our backs and begin to climb up that mountain that God has sent us to. That is the starting point of this all. Now, I know that there's some of you in here that maybe, maybe you're a parent that, or a father that you, you missed the chance to build your legacy. And you're looking back at it and going, man, I wish I would have done something different. You might not be able to rebuild that legacy in the moment, but you know what you can do? You can support your kids as they continue your legacy. You can begin to support them. And it starts with a phone call saying, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I didn't, but wasn't the dad that I needed to be. But I'm here to support you and I'm gonna be the best grandpa in the world that I can be. I'm gonna be the best, most influential father of an adult that I can possibly be. Some of you guys, you're single people in here and, or in, the, uh, in our, our online congregation and now's the time you can start to build that legacy. Legacy doesn't have to start when you have kids. Legacy can start now as you rebuild and you take care of those things in your childhood that are a mess. So here's what I believe. I believe this about the Liebelt household about my kids, about my grandkids someday, which is wild to say. I believe that my grandkids are gonna be on top of that mountain. Not because I'm a great dad, not because I have it figured out, but because the support of my wife and because of the fact that I'm willing to say, you know what, I'm gonna start climbing today. I'm gonna begin to put the work in and as God's grace changes my heart and as this Holy Spirit changes my actions, I'm going to start climbing. And my kids are gonna be up there because we're climbing today. So dads, I wanna, I wanna pose to you this question right here. 
where your kid's gonna start when they're 18 and they have to take over the legacy you handed them, where will they start? Will they start because, at the middle of the mountain because of how much you worked? Or will they start at the bottom? The call is, is quite, quite a big call for us as, as dads. Here's what I also know. I know that in this room and online, there's some of you that when we talk about our heavenly father, there's a gut reaction where you go, I don't like that because your father wasn't the father that you needed. See, unlike your earthly father, your heavenly father is perfect. Absolutely perfect. He has no character flaws and he wants to know you intimately. But not only does he want to have influence and intimacy in your life, he wants to change your situation. See, while he's perfect and he doesn't need improvement, he knew that we needed improvement. And because of that, he sent his son to die on a cross in our place, in my place, so that I could be the dad I need to be, so that I could be a child of the king and I could be with him. See, all that takes is surrender. All that takes is saying, God, I want that. See, our heavenly father is, he's standing there and he's waiting on us. There's an incredible story in Luke 15 of the prodigal son where his son squanders his inheritance and runs off. His dad is waiting for him to return. Just think of the countless hours he spent as he looked out over that hill and waited for his son to return. He's waiting for you today. With your heads bowed and eyes closed all across this room and online, if you want to make a decision today to follow Jesus, if that's you, here in this room, I just ask that you slip up a hand. If you're online, you type in, I'm giving my life. And we'll give you time to process this. This is gonna be the greatest decision you ever make. Thank you, I see you back there. I see you. Give you another moment. One of the greatest things about Pathways is we don't pray alone. We're a family. We do things together. So we're going to pray together. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for improving my situation, for sending your son to die on a cross for my sin. Right now I turn and I run to you. Thank you for knowing me so intimately. I love you. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Well, can we celebrate with these people that made this decision?